Hello, you're listening to Forward Talks by Goombook, a podcast about moving towards sustainability, and I'm Tatiana Antonelli. Our guest today is Sean Rowlands, founder of Retold. Sean is a Dubai kid who spent most of her childhood in the city before moving to the UK to study architecture and design. She returned to Dubai to continue her career and found herself in a difficult situation, but Sean was able to convert this into an opportunity for herself personally, but also it became the foundation for her business. 2011, I was kind of enjoying a very successful career in interior design, sort of designing for hotels, bars and restaurants. Had a bit of a shopping problem and uh, realized I was broke one day, so I needed to rent out my spare room in my apartment. And it really started from there. I, I cleaned out the wardrobes and that's when I had the kind of realization of just how much like fashion waste I had in my wardrobe, if you like. I ended up with four packing boxes full of clothes that I no longer wore. When I went back through them, about three quarters still had their original tags. So there was three quarters of that, those four boxes that I'd ne I just had never worn. And I knew I'm not the only person in Dubai with that same problem. So um, I kind of sat down with my sisters and, and you know, I'm, I'm one of four girls. So we've always grown up like wearing each other's clothes and swapping and sharing. Um, and the same with friends. You know, we've always kind of, you know, delved into each other's wardrobes and um, sort of decided to host a little party really amongst like our network. And it just grew from there pretty rapidly. So that was 2011. Um, and so for the first kind of five years, I was running it alongside my career. Um, and then 2017, I made the shift as, you know, as I kind of discovered more about the dark side of the fashion industry and um, really put my passion into it and, and go full time and, and hence the sort of development of the business in the last two years. And uh, I would love to know what has been the reaction of, of the Dubai population. Absolutely amazing. Um, you know, there, there are so many people who are discovering us every single day, every single week. Um, and a lot of people's first reaction is, oh, wow, I had no idea this was secondhand. Um, you know, we have created very much a boutique space, so people feel like they're coming in and they're getting that um, sort of new shop experience, but, but everything is pre-owned, but everything is in perfect condition. So about a quarter of the products that we get in are still brand new with their original tags, so people are coming down and, and you know, selling clothes that they've decided not to wear for whatever reason um and so our shoppers can come down and, and get something that's still new but they don't have that same impact on the environment as if they were going to the malls where does this problem come from why are we buying so much yeah i could talk for hours about this but i think you know i think modern day society um sort of we're a victim of our own success if you like so kind of since the industrial revolution we've all been encouraged that your status symbol is about how much new stuff you have like how big your home is and how many cars you have and you know how many new items of clothing you have and if you have the new it bag um and then with the introduction of social media as modern day society we're kind of trained that we're not allowed to be seen wearing the same outfit more, outfit more than once um you know and certainly if you've been photographed and it's gone up on your instagram profile heaven forbid you know you wear that dress again or you wear those shoes again it's kind of been the product of, of the last sort of 10 15 years of social media becoming so prevalent in all of our lives um and fast fashion has kept up pace with that um you know gone are the days where we have two two clothing seasons which is spring summer or autumn winter we now have 52 seasons a year so 
high street brands, they drop new products, new styles, new designs every single week. And those designs aren't repeated. They are, they're one-offs. And so the, the kind of the, the fast fashion industry is, um, has built this sort of sense of urgency, like you've got to get it, you've got to buy now, you've got to stay in trend, um, you know, sort of fashionistas and, and major design houses. It's like you've got to be on the new trend. What, you know, what's this season's trend? What are we all wearing next month, you know? And, and we just all become victims of that. We must have this and we must stay on whatever the, the current trend is. And somehow this fast fashion has also required the fashion industry to produce more oh, at less. Absolutely. absolutely. So um, there's something like 150 billion items of clothing are made every single year. And there's about 150 billion items of clothing that are sent to landfill every single year. So at the moment, like our fashion industry is making as many products as we are casually throwing away. Um, most of those pieces are worn um, on average only five times. Something like it takes uh, 2,700 to 3,000 litres of water to make a single cotton T-shirt, which is as much as a person who's lucky enough to have access to you know, clean running water, as much as they will drink in three years. So... You know, like, we're not wearing those T-shirts for three years. It takes 10,000 litres of water to make a pair of jeans. You know, and, and denim is such a durable material. It does last for years and years and years. But society, we've just become so throwaway. You know, and, and the prices of fast fashion pieces uh, aren't allowing consumers to have that emotional connection with them because there's no fina financial connection. We don't value, we don't value what we have. Exactly. So the whole sort of fashion industry has, has devalued um, quality so that it's... So at the moment, it's consumers believe it's quantity over quality. And that's the wrong mindset. So it's very interesting because you're talking about what's behind fashion. So one interesting point is the water footprint, as you were saying. Yeah. Um, another one also is uh, labor. So one of the really interesting things that, that I discovered, probably in, interesting initiatives, I should say, um, about four years ago, five years ago, maybe it was Fashion Revolution Week. Um, and I know Aisha, the lady who runs um, Fashion Revolution Week here, um, so Retold is very much a part of that now. Um, and we support them for the global fashion exchange, the clothes swap. Um, but they're really shining a light on the um, equality and the pay that goes towards the workers who are making our clothes. Um, you know, and, and all of those kind of factories in places like Bangladesh. Bangladesh, in China, in India, um, where the labour is so cheap um, because the products themselves are being sold for next to nothing in, in the Western world. If I wanted to ask you which brands I should avoid, is it possible mm -hmm. to say that or... Or if you don't want to go that route. Well, as but... someone who doesn't buy new, I would say avoid all new brands and come and shop at retail. But that's just me being biased. <laughs> um, no, look, so uh, Fashion Revolution um, has a transparency report that you can actually go and check out the top. Uh, I think they've got um, about 200 of high street and high access brands. Um, and you can actually go and support you can go and find out their transparency um, Rating, So you can go and find out actually what their impact is per piece and find out if they're actually a sustainable brand. So that's really, that's a really interesting... So um, this is a, an open resource? It's an website? open resource, absolutely. And everyone, yeah. any consumer can any go and Any consumer check. can go and have a look uh, at their transparency report, yeah. So as a consumer, if I had to give more value to the item I'm going to buy... Would you recommend me to actually buy from luxury brands, maybe because the quality is better, I'm going to 
use that garment for a longer time and it's going to last and I'm going to be able to give it to my children maybe like our mothers used to do I mean I still wear things that are uh, that coming from my grandmother's closet yeah. and my mother's closet and they are amazing quality while when I buy a t-shirt after three four times I wash it it's lost the quality it's lost the shape it's yeah um look I think there's still a huge amount of greenwashing that goes on in both the fast fashion industry and the luxury industry. I think we need to be um, putting value on brands that are taking a stand and saying, we care about the planet, we care about what we're doing, we care about the impact that we're making, we care about the initiative behind it. There are a lot of brands that, um, small brands, um, that are a lot more accessible, a lot more affordable than designer and luxury labels that that are actually um, engaging in sort of local artisan uh, manufacturing so it's actually taking it back to empowering women in small villages for example in Africa and and providing them with the training to be making um, these beautiful handcrafted bags that then get resold that it, it creates these economies and I think that's where we need to be adding value or take it you know um, appointing value not you know oh what major luxury label has been able to afford uh, an amazing marketing company and made a name for themselves. That's very <laughs> interesting because now you resell different yeah, products. Absolutely. And um, so I've, I've come to your shop and I, I bought different things. And I saw that I could buy something from H&M or Zara, but then I could also buy from designers. Uh, designers. So you handling these goods, do you see a difference in the quality? Because I can see from what you're talking about that there's a lot of marketing and greenwashing. So now my question is, so are these luxury items not of a better quality? I think on the as a sweeping generalization, yes, there is a noticeable difference in quality between something that is very much high street and something that is very much luxury. The middle ground, I think there's a there's a sliding scale. Um, I think a lot depends on the fabric, depends on um, ultimately where it's made and ultimately which actually which brands have made it. There are brands out there who are still charging a lot of money for quality of product that is not actually any different from the cheap high street stuff. We do notice when lovely, you know, like a, a gorgeous silk dress comes in and you know, like you notice the difference with those as opposed to a polyester dress of course yeah of course you do um but I think I think unfortunately we are like I said the fashion industry is broken and there's been so much greenwashing going on that some of these luxury brands that kind of say oh you know our quality of product is better uh, it's not necessarily always the case so I'm I'm interested in in your middle ground because apparently you're talking about um, maybe social enterprises or or fashion companies that decide to empower uh, society or people from different um, groups of our society. Maybe they choose specific materials. They don't want leather. Maybe they're going to choose these new alternatives made out of, I don't know, pineapple. Yep. No, that was interesting. I went to the um, the um, the fashion exhibition at the V&A Museum Um two summers ago um, and that was really interesting because that was called the nature of fashion and that was about how the fashion industry has used nature throughout the entire history um, and and it was it was really fascinating and then 
probably the most interesting part is some of those um, new materials that, that are coming out. There's um, uh, mushroom roots that is woven and can be applied to make, okay, it's a stiff material, so be great for accessories. You know, pineapple husk, it's, you know, um, processed to become a, a usable product. I think, I think that's really, really fascinating with what we're doing now. So the, all the clothing that you've been collecting, how does that work as a consumer? And I open my cupboard and yeah. I see all these clothes that I can't wear anymore. How do I get in touch with you and how can I sell my items with you? Um, so we do want to onboard um, all of our kind of new members, if you like. We call them members. Um, so simply drop us a little email, info at shopretold.com, and we'll talk you through the whole process. Um, but essentially what we do is we're a consignment service. So we provide the service of selling your pieces on your behalf. We don't buy up front. We sell it on your behalf. Um, and then you get your profit minus a small commission to us once the items have sold. We go through everything, make sure nothing is damaged, make sure nothing's stained, you know, make sure everything that you say is there is there. So we kind of do that sort of inventory collection from you. We work really hard behind the scenes to then sell it on your behalf. Um, and then you get your profits at the end of your sort of membership term with us if you like so there is a term uh, i will leave my clothes with you for how long okay, a couple of months two three months depending on which membership package you take that sort of information is all on our website and it's all in the information pack that we share with anyone who's interested we've found that that sort of the three months is is the longest that we really want to keep pieces for on the shop floor uh, mostly because we have a lot of returning customers and the shoppers want to come down and they do want to see a different selection each time you know at the moment I only have one boutique um, albeit it's 3,000 square foot and I have 8,000 pieces on display um, but people want to see new stuff each time they come down um, so there's different ways different different lengths of time if you like that we that we keep stuff for. Do you also have, like, wedding gowns? You know, look, we've got a very small selection of wedding gowns in, um, but I could open a whole new 3,000-square-foot boutique with uh, wedding dresses with the people looking to, to buy and sell. We actually have a really interesting partnership with um, an online marketplace, which is called The Bridal Souk, um, and that's a place where you can list your own wedding dress. But what you can do is, if you're not interested in, in directly meeting with the, the buyer or someone who's interested in it, you can actually book it in to retold, and um, you can come and use the boutique as a, as a try-on space. It takes a little bit of that, um, the sort of the personalization out of it, rather than going to someone's house, trying on their beautiful dress, deciding that maybe you hate it and then you don't have the guts to tell them or you don't want to haggle over the price or, you know, it, it takes that sort of, um, you know, face-to-face -face interaction out of it. So we handle that whole process for you. And you were saying before offline that you are also going to launch... Uh, new uh, specific yeah so we have um, ladies wear and kids clothes at the moment um, and we have then a huge section of vintage stuff as well so sort of 1980s and beforehand um, and we will be launching in the near future uh, men's section and also maternity wear as well maternity wear is a totally ball, different ball game I mean uh, we buy these items, we wear them a couple of months, yeah. and that's more than yeah. fast fashion. It's, it's more than fast fashion. It's sort of very much temporary, disposable fashion. You're not going to be wearing it 
that long after you're pregnant. So you don't need that fashion. Maybe you don't plan to have kids for another two, three years. It's going to stay in your wardrobe. You pay to, you pay to store it, essentially. And, and maternity wear new here is so expensive. You know, we pay a premium on all of those brands. So um, buy it pre-owned. Someone else has had the, you know, the pleasure of paying the upfront money first, so then come and get it at a fraction of the price, and then you end up saving the planet as well. I mean, you know, you save your wallet, save the planet. So what do you think about the work being done, for example, from international organizations such as EcoAge in the UK? Uh, I, I think everyone having this conversation is doing a remarkable job, and I think the more people talking about it, the, the better. Um, EcoAge, it's obviously run by Livia Firth, who's Colin Firth's wife. Um, you know, she, um, for, for a long, long time, she's had a, an, a, an option to make a choice, make a conscious choice whilst walking the red carpet. Um, and so she set up red carpet, green dress. Green, green carpet, red dress. Red carpet, green dress. That one. Red carpet, green dress which is about, um, you know, sort of celebrities, if you like, and people who walk the red carpet to have that opportunity to make a green choice. You know, a lot of, a lot of uh, sort of everyday society, we, they do follow what celebrities do. So if they have to leverage celebrities on the red carpet, you know, looking, you know, fabulously amazing and, and, and what people aspire to, then then people are learning to aspire to a greater value than, you know, just how much the dress costs, but maybe the fact that it's been worn 30 times. So the, you know, Livia Firth's um, initiative is 30 wears. Um, and that's fantastic. Let's, let's get those red carpet dresses on the red carpet 30 times. That would, that would be amazing. I was really impressed a few months ago when I saw a video of a huge pile of bags and, and, and different clothes from Burberry's being burned in open air uh, just because they didn't want these items to be resold. What so do you think is, about this? When people ask me the question of, of which is worse, the fast fashion industry or the luxury industry, Uh, luxury fashion industry um, look they both have their own inherent problems um, the fast fashion industry focuses on making things appallingly under appalling circumstances as cheaply as possible and selling as much as possible um, and a lot of that goes to waste um, the designer and the luxury industry they tackle things slightly differently um, they they a lot of what they do in order to retain the value of their brand is to maintain exclusivity. So when Burberry came out, and I think it was uh, that particular one was $35 million worth of unsold items. So rather than them going to off-selling or second-hand or, you know, taking the labels off and, and rebranding them as something else and still being able to, to kind of maintain some form of um, value in them, they burnt them which is just horrendous. But it's in order to make, to, to maintain their value as a brand. Where is the mistake here in, in, in doing the wrong estimation on how much they're going to sell? Or, or just producing that amount because the cost is going to be the same? Probably and... economies of scale because it's, it, it, it costs less to produce more um, and overestimating the demand for their brand. Um, 
I mean, I, th I think it's probably broken in several different areas. I don't, I don't think there's one person to blame or one decision to blame on that front. They do it every year. And it's not just... It is. It's so unethical, and it's not just Burberry. This is, this is the whole point. The, the whole industry is broken. There is no connection. There's no closed loop in the supply chain. They, don't, they, they produce too much cotton. Too much cotton goes to the factories. Too much cotton ends up on the, the cutting room floors. All of that goes to waste. All of that goes to landfill. And that's before the products are even made. And then products are made, and there's too much of it. And then it goes to retailers, and no one wants it. And then it goes where? It goes back into landfill. There is, there is too much supply for the demand. 150 billion of items are made every single year and 150 billion go to landfill. That is enough to clothe everyone on the planet with six new items of clothing. Is there any international body, is any regulation, any standards? I mean, burning all that leather and all that cotton has emissions and you're burning prime materials and resources that have cost so much into producing them. Where is the where policy? Where, where are the standards? Where fashion? are they held accountable? They're not. They're not. It, it's, it's now getting to the point where they're held accountable by consumers because someone found out about it and someone shined a light on it and we've all gone, this is horrific, we need to stop doing this. Um, they will probably think twice about doing it again to that extent. They will probably try and hide it a little bit more the next time they do it. Maybe they'll produce slightly less next year. All of those small steps, great. Is it enough? No, of course it's not. There needs to be more accountability in the fashion industry. There needs to be better policies. There needs to be better regulations. Governments needs to step up and take control of the situation. So in 2015, it was 1.2 billion tons of carbon emissions produced by global fashion industry. So we always talk about transportation, um, energy sectors, but this sector is completely not looked. But that even encompasses the agriculture. If you think about the amount of land that is dedicated to growing cotton, so that's taken away from the food industry. It's taken away from, you know, rainforests, which provide us with air to breathe. I mean, it, like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Why are we producing all of these clothes to look good when we're killing our planet doesn't make sense there are very good um, statistics i think which is which are important for people to know visually um one of them is one garbage truck of clothes are burned uh, or go to landfill every second mm. worldwide there's enough uh clothes to fill 1.5 empire sale buildings every day if you could do one thing, one thing <laughs> to, you know, and have Harry Potter magic wand. <laughs> what would you do? That's a, re that's a really hard question because limiting it to just one thing, I don't think there's one thing that is going to change. Or one that would trickle everything else. You know, if I were to turn around and say tomorrow um, every single fashion factory has to close down and we're not allowed to make anything tomorrow... Um, you know, that would have some positive effects in the sense of all of those clothes that would have been made and no longer made, but it would have some really negative effects. The economy, um, those workers who no longer have jobs, who can no longer support their families, there's, like, it has a huge knock-on effect. So um, I'm not sure that any one thing is, is going to change the world. We need to all come together and do it collaboratively. 
you know, that, that is how change happens, is, is collaborations. That's all we have for you on this episode of Forward Talks. You can check out Retold's entire collection at shopretold.com. There is also a link in our show notes. If you're enjoying our episodes, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave a review or reach out to us on LinkedIn and on Instagram. You can find more information on our website, goombook.com, where you can also listen to all our previous episodes. Thank you.